Good morning, friends. Welcome to worship as beloved people of God on this second Sunday in Lent. Lent is a 40-day journey to the cross and beyond to the empty tomb. We pray today that God will strengthen us for this journey by renewing us in the gift of baptism, where we are joined to Jesus Christ, to his death and resurrection forever. Christ has joined us to himself. Christ has joined himself in those very places where we struggle and suffer today. As Psalm 22 affirms, the Lord does not hide his face from us, but hears us when we cry out to him. So we can say with confidence in the hymn verse, if you but trust in God to guide you with gentle hand through all your ways, you'll find that God is there beside you when crosses come in trying days. Trust then in God's unchanging love, built on a rock that will not move. Let us prepare our hearts now for worship, centering our hearts in God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Let us pray. O God, by the passion of your blessed Son, you made an instrument of shameful death to be for us the means of life. Grant us so to glory in the cross of Christ, that we may gladly suffer shame and loss for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. And now we hear a portion of Psalm 22. You who fear the Lord, give praise. All you of Jacob's line, give glory. Stand in awe of the Lord, all you offspring of Israel. For the Lord does not despise nor abhor the poor in their poverty. Neither is the Lord's face hidden from them. But when they cry out, the Lord hears them. From you comes my praise in the great assembly. I will perform my vows in the sight of those who fear the Lord. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Let those who seek the Lord give praise. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of nations shall bow before God. Here ends the reading. In our gospel reading today, from Mark, the eighth chapter. Jesus began to teach them, the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father 
with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. The pull that we feel in human nature is a strong one. We are pulled towards success and pleasure. We avoid things like pain and suffering. We want solutions, not sacrifice. We want to gain something, not lose what we have. I feel this strong pull of human nature in my own life. Churches get caught up in it too. I read about this highway billboard sponsored by a church in a city where the person describing the billboard passed by it every day on the way to work. And he wrote about it saying, there's a picture of a disgustingly good-looking preacher smiling and holding a Bible. And underneath the picture was the word in big bold letters, confused, call this phone number. The takeaway message was that this preacher was like a handyman who could fix, had a solution for everything. Surely, as he went on to comment about this billboard that people pass by, those who drive by the billboard were meant to see that to be a Christian and be a part of the church would mean that these difficult things could be solved and that at this church you could get answers and would walk out with a skip in your step. That's what Peter was hoping for too, wasn't it? To rise above it all, have a skip in his step as a result of his relationship with Jesus. Peter had just confessed his belief that Jesus was the Savior, the Messiah, but Peter couldn't have been more shocked or disappointed in Jesus for what he said next. As Jesus told his followers that he must proceed through an ordeal of suffering, be rejected by the elders, chief priests, scribes, and be killed, and three days later rise again. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, protesting. And Jesus turned and confronted Peter, suggesting Peter didn't have any idea how God works. Peter doesn't get it. He can't imagine the Messiah will suffer, let alone be killed. Jesus is the hope of Peter's life, the hope of the world. Peter believed that. He was honest in expressing his shocking disappointment. Was there something wrong with Peter doing that? Maybe Peter's reaction is not so different from the disappointments we might express when a loved one is sick or dying, when a relationship in which we have given our heart and we have invested trust is broken and cannot be repaired, or when a vocation or a job that is our source of security is eliminated and ends, we rightly wonder in our disappointment, where is God in this? Sometimes I think we get the idea, maybe even or especially in church, that it is unfaithful to name our disappointments to God, to question God, to protest. But what happens if we aren't given opportunity or space to name the pain? to question God, to protest to God, to even express our anger before God. Is that why some people leave church when distress strikes? Because they are sure their struggle with God or their anger with God won't be accepted or allowed? Consider with me today the psalm which we heard earlier in the service. Psalm 22, we read just a small portion, but if you look at the whole psalm, it actually starts with those words I'm sure you are familiar with, words of Jesus from the cross as he was hanging and dying. Jesus cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's verse 1 of Psalm 22. Can you hear the dark and gut-wrenching agony and disappointment in that question of Jesus? 
crying out from the cross with his dying breath. The words of Psalm 22 continue. Why are you so far from helping me? From the words of my groaning. The words Jesus chooses with his dying breath on the cross show us the kind of God we have. The God revealed in Jesus comes into the broken places of our lives in this world. Can you trust God with your disappointment and pain and anger? Because God desires to meet you right there. This is the God we desperately need in our time now. The God who leaves heaven to be with us in our brokenness and shame, in our disappointments, in our despair. I hope you will take time to read the whole psalm, all of Psalm 22 from the Bible, and look at, for example, verses 19 and 20. But you, O Lord, do not be far away, exclamation point. O my help, come quickly to my aid, exclamation point. Deliver my soul from the sword, my life from the power of the dog, exclamation point. And then verse 24, for the Lord did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard me when I cried out to him. Will Grimstead wrote recently about the Lord coming down into the affliction and brokenness and shame of his early life. And the way the Lord has continued to come down, bringing his light after years have passed. Will Grimstead writes, When I saw the edge of the windowsill lying in the grass, I knew something was not right. I can remember the feeling inside of me as all of a sudden the pressure in the air had changed. The only understanding that my eight-year-old self had about mental illness was that mom got headaches and sometimes had to lay down in the bedroom for most of the day. My spirit told me that there was more, but I was powerless to resist its force. I would later learn that my mother had a sudden break. She had a break that day and leapt from the window. She felt she must run. She was seeking some kind of refuge. I think from the storms inside her own manic mind. Storms that would not allow her to sleep longer than a few minutes. Storms that told her not to take her medications. I have spent so much energy trying to force my mother back into the bedroom window, back into the darkened place where I could pretend that my family was some kind of caricature of the American dream. Shame needs secrecy. And leaping from her bedroom window that day, my mother let the light in. In Jesus, the light of the world, God leaves glory behind to join us in our shame, in the broken places of our lives, in order to be with us, to hold us, to love us, to redeem us, right where we are weakest and most powerless that we might know that it is at the places of our brokenness that we are embraced most fully with his everlasting love. Martin Luther understood God revealed in Jesus Christ in the weakness and vulnerability of the cross to be a hidden God, a hidden God. The words in Latin, Deus absconditus, the meaning that God is paradoxically found in the very places where God seems to be most absent. That is the way of God in Jesus Christ. 
Perhaps this is what Jesus meant by saying, if any want to be, follow me, let them deny themselves, take up the cross and follow me. Those who want to save their own life will lose it because acting and living as if God will only be found in your own success and pleasure or in your own avoidance of suffering and sacrifice, that God will only be found in your own ability to fix every affliction, to find a solution to every issue. Having that expectation means you will miss God altogether and lose out on the abundant light and life of Christ. Today, Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit comes to meet us in the place we are most discouraged and most disappointed. Can we as God's people embody this in our relationship with others? Can we as a Jesus community provide that kind of space for the Holy Spirit to work so that the community of our church isn't just a group you belong to when you have it all together, but instead as a community in Jesus where you are accepted, even in your deepest disappointments. In the, the Psalm 22, if you look at verse 22, this is what it says. For I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. And so we are called in the community of Jesus both to express our laments honestly and also to proclaim to our brothers and sisters our praise for the Lord Jesus. And so I would like to end today with a prayer practice. I'd like to close with this practice of two movements. First, the invitation to name the disappointment or darkness or despair before God after hearing those words of Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And then second, the invitation to speak the name of Jesus. Because through every valley of this life, Jesus pursues you and me. And through the gift of the Holy Spirit, God is pursuing you and me even now. I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. Amen. And now we pray the prayer the Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Christ is with you. Thanks be to God.